Well, I'm excited to be back in the pulpit this morning and sharing and, and talking about this story, taking back my life. And, and I think about even now, just about a year ago, we were starting to be concerned about COVID, you remember. And then the world was turned upside down and, 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 and then we couldn't do the things we wanted and sometimes some things we still can't do. And, um, and it just, life seemed to get pretty hard the last year in so many different ways. And it felt like, in many ways, it's just out of our control. Like, we can't do anything about it. I'm on these groups on, um, on the internet, these pastoral groups where people share ideas, they're pa- pastors, and, and they talk about things. And, and, I, and I read one of this guy's statements. He said, you know, our church is small, but it seems like we have been inundated with, with uh, drug addictions and, and mental health issues and, and, and children who have caused issues and things for their parents and all those kind of things. It seems like it's an inordinate amount of things. And it just seems like in our world today that things hit us and we just have to react to them. That we're trying to find our way through. And I, I think this series really helps us to understand that to take back our life and to recognize some of the things that occur and how we can navigate in those difficult circumstances. This morning, we, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 7. If you want to open your scriptures there and keep it open because we're going to keep referring back to it over and over again. But I'd begin this, this past weekend, Christy and I got to spend some time in Gatlinburg, which is always a fun time. And as we were coming back on Tuesday, it was like 63 degrees. That's a pretty nice day, right? And I got to where I was going to go over the mountain to Cherokee, and it was closed because of snow. It's like 62 degrees. I mean, how can there be snow on the mountain? But there's snow on the mountain. And so I quickly start trying to find, my, you know, the way around. It takes about an extra 30, 45 minutes if you can't go over the mountain and so it just takes us that, that long journey, and it makes you think about our lives, that, that often we know where we want to go, and then we have no choice but to take a detour. It's just, if you're going to get somewhere, you've you got to take some action. In fact, I was reading about it, and I was reading something um, that Billy Graham and his wife had, had shared Ruth. They were driving in this long stretch of road of construction, and there was lots of slowdowns, the detours along the way, and the pavement was rough. And they finally reached the end of this detour, this difficult section, and that pavement stretched out before them. And there was this road sign that Ruth had seen. And it said, end of construction. Thanks for your patience. And Ruth said to Billy Graham, she said, you know, I think that would be great to be on my tombstone when I die. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. There's a lot of wisdom in, in, in that. In our scripture this morning, we're, we're going to read and know about a story that you know pretty well. Most of you could probably tell me the whole story without me even talking about it. And it's the story of Moses. But the story of Moses in Acts chapter 7 is told by Stephen. Stephen is now in trouble because he's been preaching the gospel and they don't like him. And so they bring him before this trial and he's talking about things and the funny thing is he's talking about Abraham and he's talking about Moses and all these things and why is he doing that well I think there's a lot of speculation but one of the things I think that he's talking about is he's before them and he's saying you know this is not where I want to be I don't want to be in front of you but I want to tell you that even though you've meant to stop me it's just a detour 
And that's what he's talking about in this. So beginning the reading, and I'm going to read um, much of the, the back half of this chapter, beginning in the 17th verse that, that Stephen's talking about Moses. So beginning in that 17th verse. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. Till another king arose who did not know Joseph. And this man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. But when he was in 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. I, I, you know, just keep it open. We're going to keep that story alive here. But, I, um, you know, we look at this, the scriptures and we look at these heroes that are in the scriptures like, like Moses. He's a hero, one that we can look up to that, that has done so much, that has uh, been so significant in the story of God. And it's easy to see how God works in his life. But I think if we look really close, it's also how God works in our life. I don't think God is just somehow saying, well, I care about some people, I don't care about others. It's a very similar story. So if God would work in Moses' life in a similar fashion, why would he not work in your life in a similar fashion? So how does God work? That's the question. How, how do we take back our life? How, how does this story begin, or how can we begin to tie into it? And I think one of the things that we ought to know about God right in the very beginning that is told about this story of Moses that is also should be known about you is that the first thing is that God sees us and sees the struggles. It's not somehow in the back corner and he doesn't know what's going on, but he understands the struggles that are going on. It says that when the promise when the, when the time of the promise drew near, which was sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. Another king rose. And basically, he says, and they got so upset, they decided that they were going to kill babies to, to keep these Egyptians from getting all this power and growing up. And, and, and Moses would have been one of the children who would have been murdered. He doesn't tell the story of how that put it in a basket and put in the river and, the, and Moses goes down and is picked up by the, by the royal family. And it doesn't tell that story, but you know that story. That somehow, some way, in the midst of all of this, that something good comes out of it. But the children of Israel are going through a terrible time. They're being oppressed. They're, they're being overworked. And it, and it may have seemed like, in their minds, that God had abandoned them. I toil every day. Nobody sees. People are breaking my back. Nobody sees. The world is coming at me in so many different directions and I can't accomplish anything that I have been out to do. Nobody sees. I think this story tells us that, that absolutely God does see. He does know what's going on, that it's going on, and it reminds us that He's always on the job watching over His people, always. And there, the Lord told Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. This is later on in the 34th verse. And now come I, I will send you to Egypt. 
the Lord was watching over his children. He's surely watching over us. He has to be. He loves his people he created. We may be going through something, and it may seem like we've been going through it for 40 years. And if you know the story of Moses, his, his life is, devoted, is divided up into 40, 40, and 40 years. And it may seem like it never ends, but it took 40 years to go through this process. And so sometimes we want instantaneous satisfaction or someone to intervene right away. But it takes time sometimes to figure out things. And even when it seems like the help is delayed, and it seems like it's not coming, even though it seems like it's delayed, I want to tell you this morning, you should never, ever give up. And it seems like, what's going on? I should be here. I know God loves me, but it's delayed. What's going on? Never, ever give up. You know, this is what we find out. It is so consistent that God has always, listen to this, this this is not one time, two times, three times, this is throughout my entire life, your life, this is throughout the entire scriptures, you will find this truth, God always manages to bring the best out of the worst, and why would we think that God would fail us now? Because God isn't going to fail us. And we do know the Lord is at work in our lives because he does see our struggles. But here's the thing, as I talked about in the very beginning. He does see what's going on. He knows. But, you know, sometimes there is this detour, and and I'm not going to get into the point and say that God always throws these detours into our life because I believe in free will. We can make our own choices. And sometimes the detours are very much our own making. We've done it. Or, and sometimes, they're external to us, and they're our family members, or, or, or workplace, or something along those lines. Those detours pop up. And so sometimes, we wind up having to develop during the detour. So Moses knows about detours. You know the story. God has this plan for his life. It's a very dangerous time. All the baby boys are going to be killed. And so... Moses is born, and he's pleasing to God. He's brought up, and he winds up being brought up in in Pharaoh's house by his mother. Interesting story. Then, Moses realizes something. That God has instilled in him an ability to lead people and that God has called him to something more than just living in Pharaoh's house. He's decided, he said, I've called you and you are going to deliver my people. You are going to be the one who goes and makes a difference. And what does Moses do? He says, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. And he, and he walks out into the field in the area and he sees this oppression going on. And what does he do? Moses kills an Egyptian because he's been unfair to an Israelite. And he says, I've come to deliver you. And those people that were the Israelites say, are you going to kill us too? Moses thought he was ready. Moses had gifts, he had abilities, he was ready to to go in headstrong and do what God has called him to do. And then it didn't work out. 
How many of you have ever felt God calling you to a purpose, to do something very specific, and you, you said, I'm doing it, headstrong, and then you got into it, and it was a mess, and you thought, Lord, have mercy. I called myself. God didn't. I think there's probably been a few pastors like that throughout the years. Oh, my goodness, what have I done? My first Sunday, I've told you many times that I ever pastored a church. I, I sat down there after the church, and I didn't even have a place to go because I still lived a couple hours away. And I laid on that pew right there, and my wife was right there. And I said, Christy, what have we done? Because <laughs> life is hard sometimes. Moses thought he was ready when he wasn't. Then... Later on, he thought he wasn't ready when he was ready. Isn't that interesting? It reminds us that we always need wisdom, that we always need help from God. And sometimes, sometimes the, the detours of our life are there to help us really to mature, to get the wisdom and get ready. Even though we have gifts and abilities and desires to serve God and it's not working out, sometimes they help us to become better than we are ourselves and more experienced. Because the Lord is really a good shepherd, isn't he? Moses learned a lot in Egypt. That was good. Verse 22 tells us that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was mighty in words and deeds, but that wasn't enough. So God took Moses out of the wilderness. After he comes and the Israelite people say, get out of here, he runs because he knows he's going to be prosecuted for murder. And he runs off and he winds up in getting in the desert in Midian. And he winds up learning how to take care of shepherds. I mean, he learned how to take care of sheep. He becomes a shepherd. This learned person who has much higher qualities than living with stinky sheep and, and the, the job that nobody wants. He is so overqualified for the job, it's ridiculous. You ever felt like that? Why am I doing this? I know how to do things better. And sometimes it's in the workplace and jobs. Like, I'm overqualified for this job, and it might even be in the church. Why am I the one cleaning the toilets? Somebody else could do this. I got other things. So he's out taking care of the, the sheep. And the truth is, he's out taking care of the sheep because God wants him to learn how to be a shepherd like God is. The good shepherd. And he wants Moses to know something. He wants him to learn that just because you're smart and just because you have gifts and abilities doesn't mean that you're really better than anybody else. They're gifts and their abilities and I want to teach you how to use them. God also teaches Moses how to wait for 40 years because he knows that and when they begin this journey, it's going to take 40 years. When he gets, they finally follow him, it's going to take 40 years, and he knows it's going to be hard, but he learns how to be patient, and he learns how to follow through and trust God. It's a sad detour that has to happen for the Israelite people, but it happens. 
because the Israelite people needed to learn to trust in God. They didn't trust before. They just wanted to be delivered. Bring me, by, bring me some immediate satisfaction. Can I get a job where I never have to worry about money anymore? And can I get a situation where all the debt is removed? Can I, can I get all, we're always wanting, looking for that thing that's next and never learning exactly what God is teaching us on the detour. We just think life will be better if we can get something that we've devised in our own mind. That's the way the Israelite people, well, that's the way Moses was. And in 40 years, they begin to learn things a little bit different. God is at work in our lives. He does develop us with these detours. He sees us. He works in these detours. And you probably are in a detour at some point in your life, if not right now. But he meets us all along the way in miraculous ways. Moses reminds him of this truth. Uh, see, when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush. This is in verse 30, in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. And when Moses saw it, he marveled at it, at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. And he said to him, take your sandals off, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moses has learned to be really smart. He's decided God had called him, and so he began to take action and start just trying to defeat these Egyptian people one at a time. And, and he's cast out into the desert and winds up trying to kick, take care of these sheep. And then God miraculously shows up in this bush funny that it says an angel of the Lord, but then it says it's the voice of the Lord. So I, I kind of imagine that it's the voice of Jesus Christ that's there talking to him. It's a dramatic thing. But, you know, as Christians this morning, I think it's so important to remember. Was that the only time God was with Moses? Was that that bush? Did God just take a vacation and, and decide that he would come back 40 years later and say, now's the time? Do you think that's, that's really what occurred in his life? God was close to Moses every day long for 40 years that were there. He spent in that wilderness and he was tending sheep. God didn't just get back and say, well, now's the time. I think it's so important for us to recognize that there are moments in our lives where God is miraculously talking to us, very plain and very clear. And I'm not saying that everyone will hear an audible voice by God. Maybe you will. I'm not saying you won't. But I am saying this. There are moments that when you get real intense, when you can read and God is speaking to you very much, and then there are moments that it's not as intense. And it feels like we've done something wrong sometimes. It's not the case. God is never abandoned. He is never left. He's always a part of your life. And it is so important to remember that, even in the detours when it just seems like no one cares and no one hears and it, like it will never end. And the good news is, things are different now than they were then. Because we have the cross of Jesus Christ. 
that God is even closer to us even when we're not aware of it. In those times, God's like a good father. I was thinking, I was watching um, Donovan. He is not like Livy. He's like, you know, he's like this tall, and he just kind of, he just goes. It's like the Energizer Bunny. And I just think, blessings on you. But I kind of watch. They really let him go in different places, but I, I watch the, the Williamsons, and there's always an eye on him. He'll get real close things, but they're just watching. They're not so quick to scoop him up and keep him from everything that might happen that they know, that they learn, but they're just watching him. Every now and then I hear him say, where'd Donovan go? But I think that is very important for us to think about God. It's not like God is always walking around like this saying, no, don't go here. No, he's, you're in his sight. But he's going to let you go and do what you want and learn. He's going to do those things. I think that is so vitally important to remember in our lives, especially when it seems like he's distant, especially when it seems like the, the oppression is coming at every angle and no one cares. God is still there. The Father's always behind, always with his arms stretched out, always ready to catch you if you fall. And sometimes we do get out of sight, and sometimes we say, God, and even if we don't do it with our mouth, sometimes we say, I don't really care what you say, God, I'm going to do my own thing. God's still there, and anytime you turn around, his arms are still saying, come back. You'll never go too far that I don't want you, that I don't love you, that I don't care for you. So when I talk about take back your life today, a lot of times it has nothing to do with any sin that may enter in your life. Life is just hard sometimes, but sometimes it might be. That you step and you've turned your back and you say, I don't care, God. I'm going to do what I want. And in those times, God is still there waiting and saying, come back. Working at us, working in our lives in truly miraculous ways. But the thing about it is, it's not just that God sees and, and understands and, and know these things and, and recognizing that detours are in our life and the, and the great things can, can happen in, in the midst of those detours and that God is always with us. But you know what? God also really very much has a purpose for you. It's not just to exist. And sometimes we get upset about these things because we want miraculous things we want as pastors we want to stand up in the pulpit and we want 10,000 people to become saved that's what we want right and that and if we can't get that then somehow we're a failure right so I think we just we always need to adjust our our idea God is calling us but how that looks may be a little different for everybody God has a mission for us in every stage of our lives the Lord reminds us of this, he says in verse 34, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard the groaning and I've come down to deliver them. And now come I, I will send Egypt. God had a mission for Moses. God has a mission for us. He may not want us to lead a nation, but he definitely wants us to make a difference in our world. He desperately wants us to make a difference in our world and not just exist in it. It is so vitally important. He wants us to help other people. He wants us to help other people, not just in this world, but to really help us, help them make it to the promised land. 
Now, heaven begins here, but it's also a very much a place to live. And he's saying, you're here to help people along the path that they might go with you. Pastor Josh, first sermon here, if you remember. We want to get to the journey together and how sad it is to get to the top of the mountain and nobody's with you. You're called to help people along this path. He has a mission for us in every stage of our life. Verse 35, this Moses whom they rejected saying, who made you a ruler and a judge is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out and after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt, in the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years, this is, this is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, the Lord your God will raise you up like a prophet like me from your brethren him you shall hear. And of course, that prophet would later on be Jesus Christ. God sent Moses to lead the Hebrew people to an earthly promised land, but he sent Jesus to lead people to an eternal promised land that would be heaven, a precursor to what would happen. And we're not to just watch and sit. We're also to participate. Moses was only a picture of what God had in mind. Would you believe that you are also, in the right sense, Moses, to lead people. And that this story is very much a story. And God absolutely wants to save souls. I think about <clears throat> my mother. Been about, well, actually, today is. January, February, two months since she passed away. She was raised in a Jehovah's Witness home. And, um, and my grandmother, who I never knew, my mom's mom, would sneak her out and they would go to church on Sunday mornings. Now, my grandfather eventually found out because my mother wanted to be baptized. And he stopped that. They would never go to church again. Her mom would die when she was 16 years of age. She would get married at 18. She would be divorced by 19. She would marry again my dad when she was 19. Thank goodness, because I'm here. She would divorce again eight years later. A tumultuous marriage. She would spend the next 20 years really living the way the world said would be the best way to live, which was not a great way for two kids. Would bounce between my dad and my mom and it gets ugly, and I don't want to get all the stories. You know, I remember one time sitting in a pew thinking, why do pastors use these sermons for therapeutic sessions? I'm not doing this. Maybe it is therapeutic, but that's not the reason I'm doing this. In her late 40s, roughly, I would uh, come to know a brunette, beautiful. I was 15. She was 16. She loved me so much, she drove me around everywhere. 
And I would eventually meet her grandfather who was a pastor, and he would invite me to go to church. And I was like, yeah, anything to be with her. And so I would go. And, and, and God would set me on fire. And I would become so intensely involved. And I'm 15 years old and I'm living with my mother. And every night, you turn out the lights, I'd have a light on. And I'd be reading. If there's one of your Bibles, you'd read, you know, each piece of, you know, New Testament, Psalms, Old Testament. One night she comes in, she says, you do this every night. Why do you do that? We began to talk about things, and next thing I know, she just shows up at church. And then there's a tent revival. This is not the old tent. This is kind of trying to recoup the tent revival, that kind of thing. You know, back in the old days, the tent revival was the best they could do. This was like, well, let's stick it out there and something. But she's there, and, and she makes her way down to the altar, and I go down with her, and we pray. And she becomes a Christian. And I'd like for you to tell you that her life got easy then. That from then on, life was so easy and everything worked out, but it didn't. She would eventually um, develop COPD, which is difficult. She'd, she'd lose her job uh, about 55, 57, and she could never get another one because that was something. And then she winds up going around, and she winds up um, being a caretaker. When people are dying, they call her in, and she just cares for people. And in that story that I've been told over and over again, everyone talks about it. She became a prayer warrior, and I saw all these things in her phone where she would have a prayer list. She was praying. I saw where these people would say she was such a blessing to us. How she would come in and she would say how she'd offer blessings over the food as she was preparing. And how she talked to the, the patients about God and how, how sincere and real it got. She would die, move in my house. Four weeks later, she would die of COVID. And it's a sad story. But it is beautiful. It is beautiful because her life took one turn here, one turn there. But she fulfilled a purpose. And I think about my own life. I think I I made a difference in one. I may be all messed up and I may not be on the right path all the time. But do you understand that we've made for a purpose and life is not always going to go the way that we want to. It's never, you're never going to be delivered with all the things that you think would life would make easy. It's never going to happen. But God sees you. He can use these detours that, that happen in your life. Absolutely can. He'd never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's always there. And he has a purpose. And God has been so, so good. If I lost it all tomorrow and didn't have a thing, God, it'd still be good. I don't know what's going on in your life. And I want to ask the praise team to come back up here and get ready. And you maybe, maybe things are going great for you. But, but if you need to draw up closer to God this morning, it's a good time to do it. 
And maybe it's sometimes it's just to re-examine what's going on and say, God, I, I've been complaining, and I, and I have complained this past year because I have not been happy with the things that are going on. But sometimes it's just to say, God, I know you love, and I know I want to renew my relationship with you. And sometimes it's saying, God, I'm sorry for what I've done, and I need to repent. Whatever is going on in your life, I want to give you time this morning. Why don't you stand as we sing together? If you want to come to that altar and pray, you can do that. If you want to pray right where you are, you do that. If you want some pastoral support, you make sure that you let me, Josh, Ryan, you let one of us know. We'll be glad to be with you. But I want to close out this morning with this song. And if you need to take any action, do it.